0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Medic Diaries. My name is Dr. Yvonne Maudor and I am your host for this podcast. In case you haven't heard of Medic Diaries, it is a podcast which basically talks about daily medical issues that we face and having a simplistic or a holistic understanding of these issues and how we can deal with them. Okay, so I just have to give a disclaimer here so this week has been a bit heavy for us in general and I mean us as humanity not just um some specific people with the amount of bombardment we've had with um from the media that is things to do with George Floyd and the protests in America and all that. It's a global village now, so none of us are immune and we can't say that we have not see, we don't see what's going on. I would, however, just like to give a bit of a piece of advice. Please get off your phone for at least an hour today and probably like the rest of the week. Just do something apart from browsing through social media or being on your phone. Paint, write, work out, read a book, something apart from consuming so much of this because your nervous system requires a break amidst all these emotions and things we are seeing so please just take a break just take a moment and have a mental release so to speak yes i just needed to say that first before we dive into our topic for the day now, last episode, we talked basically about the hygiene of our private areas and all, and had mentioned how I will dive in more into the things or the conditions and the abnormalities that we'll experience when things are not good down there. Mm-hmm. That's the episode for today. Yeah, so we're going to have a bit of dirty dancing with STIs and STDs to see what exactly all these things mean. I am sure you know majority of this stuff already, if not, it's okay, just listen. Now, sex has become something which is rather rather common in our society and people are a bit more free in talking about it and people are engaging in it. So I figured this topic, we should be able to at least talk a bit about the complications that can actually arise from sex, alright, and we have to admit. This episode is for my quarantine couples if you are still in quarantine or that single gent or single lady who is just getting into a relationship or are married or are thinking about progressing to a sexual activity or even for our teens. Unfortunately, guys, we just need to face the fact that teenagers are engaging in sexual activity and they usually do not have a clue on what they're diving into please note all parents i'm not encouraging all teens to go and have sex or whatever it is but i feel like it's my duty to at least educate people on the complication or some of the complications that can arise from having unprotected sex okay let the dirty dancing begin what is an sti and what is an std Um, This is usually interchangeably used by a lot of people. STI stands for sexually transmitted infection and STD stands for sexually transmitted disease. Okay, so the infection bit is basically what it means that someone has an infection. So let's give an example quickly. Someone could have a chlamydial infection which was sexually transmitted. But they do not have the disease. When they say you have a disease, it means you have symptoms. So the difference between those two terms basically is STI is when someone has the infection without symptoms. And an STD is someone having an infection which now has manifested symptoms. Hmm. In regards to the symptoms... I feel like we should talk about men this time because I usually always start with the females. But let's mention the general symptoms men will complain about. Majority of the time, they may actually not develop any symptoms. So these people are called asymptomatic that can be for men or women. And it's just a term, like you don't show the symptoms, but you have the infection, right? So, But the symptoms that do occur when they actually are around is pain or discomfort during sex or urination that is usually the commonest uh, symptom that people usually talk about other things that they may notice are sores or bumps or rashes on or around the penis the testicles the anus, buttocks thighs and mouth i have mentioned all those parts of the body because obviously we know we have varying um sexual preferences whether it's oral anal vaginal the whole works so depending on what you partake in that is where the symptoms are gonna appear okay another thing which usually comes is unusual discharge which is uh, like a very scary thing for men to see like you this is not meant to be happening yeah unusual discharge or even worse bleeding from the penis and another major one is painful or swollen testicles Ouch. these are the general things men would talk about they're quite similar to female as well but there are a few differences in regards to the females however apart from having painful or like discomfort during sex and also urination they have a lot of itching yeah men may have some itching but women usually complain a lot more about this so they may have itching in or around the vaginal area or in the vagina itself and have unusual or bleeding discharge as well and sometimes it's just literally those two symptoms that i've mentioned which appear Some women also have bumps and uh, sores and rashes around those areas that I mentioned because of the sexual preferences. So these are some of the things they would talk about. Earlier I had spoken about um, chlamydia. I'm sure majority of you are aware of what this is. If not, I'm going to go a bit um, into more details about it and the other common types of STDs. There are quite a number, but I'm going to mention the common ones which are usually encountered now chlamydia it's one of the most common ones and usually its symptoms appear about one to three weeks post the infection so you had your sex and you didn't know you got the infection one week to three weeks afterwards you start having things like painful discharge and the cardinal or the feature that usually is associated with chlamydia is when someone has green or yellowish off yellowish or deep yellowish discharge from the penis or the vagina all right i'm going to give a side note here there are different types of discharge that people have and uh, for both men and women if it's usually an sti it may be yellow to green in color for women If it's usually clear, then most likely it's just healthy vaginal discharge, or you could be pregnant or you could be ovulating. If the color is white, sometimes it also just means it's healthy, but if it has other additional symptoms, itching, foul smelling, and it's still white, then you probably could be having a yeast infection. Now, if the color, however, women is pink. It's probably just vaginal irritation. You probably use some weird pad or tampon or something. Or you were douching. hmm If you listen to the last episode, you would know what douching is about. So you were douching or just creating something which causes a vaginal irritation. Or it could just be implantation when like you're just about to have sex or the penis has entered the vagina and then you have a bit of that irritation as well. Now, if it's red discharge, then it's probably menses. It could be a cervical infection or it could be a cervical cancer or endometrial cancer. I'm not going to go into so much details about this part because especially the cancers are in relation to so many other factors such as age and what. but I wanted men and women to be aware of the normal and abnormal discharges that they can experience. All right okay back to my stis now if you suspect that you have a chlamydial infection i beg go to the hospital because if it's left untreated it can cause weird and long-term complications which you just do not want and the ones i'm mentioning actually cut across the stis which are very common The majority of the time, people will have pelvic inflammatory disease. I had mentioned last time in the pod that that's basically an infection of your cervix, goes to the uterus, goes to the um, tubes and even the ovaries sometimes. These can lead to weird healing and weird complications and then cause long-term infertility. And that can be both men and women so if you have a lot of sexual partners and you went on a spree of unprotected sex and you unfortunately got um an sti which wasn't treated on time and stuff someone is prone to having such long-term complications all right my fellow pregnant ladies if you do have this infection and it doesn't get treated unfortunately you could actually pass this to your child so they may actually have eye infections because chlamydia are quite particular with eye infections as well so they could have eye infections and if not treated again could lead to blindness i'm not trying to scare you nope but i just need to give you the bigger picture for you to take things a bit more seriously. So if you're feeling some burning down there and you're feeling some of the symptoms that I've mentioned, please don't just sit on it. Get some help. The same for men, all right? So another common STI is syphilis. Oh boy. This one usually unfortunately goes unnoticed in the early stages. So people tend to spread this a lot and don't even realize that they do have it until the symptoms start presenting symptoms usually appear averagely about 21 days i'm giving you this date so that you can do your math in case you're suspecting that you actually have an str an std all right okay so there's an average of 21 days but it does range from 10 to 90 days like that's almost three months basically so yeah that's it now The earliest symptom that is um, noted is just a small round sore, usually painless, but very infectious. Hence you spreading the infection or getting it from someone else. And it's usually around the genitals, the urnus, and the mouth, depending on the sexual um, preference that you're taking. The later symptoms, however, then become things such as rash, you're easily fatigued. Um, you can have fevers, headaches, joint pain, even weight loss, hair loss, the whole works. And um, the worst bit is when it's left untreated. Oh boy, you can have loss of vision, even loss of hearing, loss of memory. Um, it's called neuro and mental illness. It's called neurosyphilis. It's usually like um, the last stages of um, syphilis, and The infection can spread throughout the brain and even your spinal cord can even cause death. So it's not something for you to joke with. Luckily for us, thank you God, it can be easily treated by antibiotics. So I will keep preaching it throughout the episode. Early treatment, early detection is the way to go. For mothers or pregnant women for that matter, If you do have an infection for syphilis and if it's not caught in time during your antenatal period, which would be weird because it's part of the regimen for all pregnant mothers that they should be tested because the symptoms and the complications for kids is quite fatal actually. So it's very unlikely and very uncommon for children to be having this, but that doesn't mean it cannot happen. Okay. So there's another type herpes. It's quite common and a lot of people know about it and probably have had it. You never know anyway. So I need to give a bit of background here. There are two types of herpes and they have, it's a virus, it's a virus basically. So type one is what you called your cold sores oral herpes. Please just have a disclaimer here majority of us have had oral herpes or cold sores before and it doesn't have to be via sexual activity so please relax when you see someone on the street and they have a cold sore don't go chastising them like yeah you were doing some things which you shouldn't be doing and all that okay so cold sores you can get a cold sore actually from just your parents uh, giving you a peck Uh, your kids giving you a peck or even from your partner so so it's actually something which is really common type 2 however of the virus is the one which is sexually related okay and its characteristics are you have blisters forming small small blisters which form around the genitals or your mouth depending on what you were doing and these blisters like burst a bit and then crust up and heal within a few weeks it's a viral infection so you can't really clear it but usually because of our immunity being so good it actually can be suppressed another common one is trichomoniasis or for short trick as people like to call it um this one according to the cdc which is a center of disease control and prevention state that less than actually a third of the people who have this infection develop symptoms so a lot of you around there who have this do not have your symptoms presenting this becomes a problem because you have a higher chance of spreading the infection without them realizing the things that are pertaining to trick, which are very unique apart from the painful sex and urination You also have frequent urination. So you'd think you probably have a UTI. A urinary tract infection. And another thing which really um, is key cardinal to this. Is you have burning and increased itching around the vagina and the penis. So men, this is where you get really scared. Like the ones who keep saying, yeah, yo, I'm having some serious burns down there. Yeah, trick is usually your culprit. Mm -hmm. On top of that. have a discharge from the vagina and the penis the discharge for trick is quite um, unpleasant to say the word it's very unpleasant and very fishy if you've never smelled a fish which would be weird you could go to the market and just have a whiff of it and then try and compare if you really must do all that but it has a fishy smell to it again If untreated, the same complications I've been mentioning, your PID and the infertility all come into play with the trick. The next one we move to is gonorrhea. Okay, side note. Um, I went to go buy something from the shop the other day and I met a rather nice old lady who was scolding some kids about not wearing a mask. I mean, we are in COVID times. And she kept saying, Are you not aware that there's gonorrhea virus around? <laughs> <laughs> gonorrhea virus is around. Go wear your mask. Oh, man. Corona. You're, you're giving us some serious laughs with your pandemic. Anyway, so gonorrhea is not a virus. It's a bacteria. And it's one of the other common STDs that we face. It has another name. I don't know who keeps... A- Coming up with these names, it's called the CLAP. If you've used it before or you've heard of this, fine. I didn't know of this bit. Anyway, the symptoms usually are quite early. So this is good for us. So they can present as early as two days post you having an infection. Or it can prolong all the way to one month. So that's the bad side of it. The Cardinal thinks that you'll notice in terms of the signs is either a white or yellowish discharge it can even be green sometimes and that is coming especially more from the penis more than the vagina they have a lot of penal you know, discharge for this one again we have the painful and discomfort during your sex and urination and itching around the vaginal area And if you participate in oral sex frequently, then you probably also will have like a sore throat. This is, uh, another cardinal thing for gonorrhea. Okay. When we talk about human papillomavirus or HPV, it is a virus, which I feel like we need to talk about a bit more because it has a very detrimental complication to it. It has so many forms of cancer coming about Yeah. So the symptoms which actually arise from HPV are warts and they usually are around the genitalia, the mouth or even the throat, depending on the type of sexual preference that you give. The warts can appear three months, a whole three months after the infection. So it's quite a big deal. The other thing is men usually are carriers. Sometimes they do not even develop the warts men are usually carriers of this virus there are many strains and many types of this hpv virus but the ones which are really common but the one which is really in relation to the cancers that have been studied is hpv 16 and 18. i am giving you this technical information because i need you to understand that it's a huge deal and it will help you understand why people need to take vaccines for this okay the type of cancers which usually arise from hpv infection is oral cancer cervical cancer penile cancer and rectal cancer wherever the virus goes that is where the cancer will form please note i'm not trying to scare you someone may have the hpv infection and not develop cancer in their whole life it's just I need to pass on this information to you. Now let's talk about the vaccines. The vaccines basically prevent these complications that I've just mentioned and they're given to both men and women or should I say boys and girls. The age group that has been targeted by the CDC is 11 to 12 years. Formerly like uh, four years back I think it was 15 years so by 15 years and I'm talking about like the western countries especially by 15 years you should get your HPV vaccines and that's just two doses at six months apart all right the reason why people are advocating for the vaccine to be given is because obviously prevents the complications such as cancers and the what's and it has been noted that When you give it at a young age, the vaccine that is, it is more effective in prevention as opposed to giving the vaccine at an older age. And by then, um, people probably would have been exposed to the vaccine because they are now sexually active. Alright? Okay. So, if you are 15 years and above, let's not worry. It's all good. I've just mentioned you will still get the vaccine it may not be as active or as potent as it would have been if you were younger which is okay so it's okay it may not be as active but it would still be able to work now someone may ask me doc what if i am sexually active and i'm also older than 15 years that it's still okay you can still get the vaccine I need to give a disclaimer, however, the vaccine does not treat any existing HPV infection. So if you have a strain of it, remember, I had mentioned some strains at the beginning. If you have a strain of it, then it cannot fix that infection. However, it can prevent the other strains which you're getting. It can prevent the other strains. All right. So either way, it still benefits you for you to just have the vaccine given to you all right now pregnant women i'm so sorry you shouldn't get this vaccine at least during your pregnancy when you deliver then you can now go back to your health professional to talk about your options of having the hpv vaccine the reason why i'm talking about this a bit more in detail is because there was a bit of controversy controversy sorry um a couple of months ago, I guess, in countries such as Kenya, Ghana, um, and other African countries where a policy um, was being introduced that young girls and young men were going to be vaccinated against HPV. Now that I've explained a bit of it, I feel like you can now understand where they are coming from. And this is an initiative by the Gavi vaccine alliance they basically handle all these vaccine and policies in the world so kenya is the first country in africa to adopt this so i need to applaud you guys Um, it was followed by ghana laos madagascar malawi niger sierra leone Tanzania. so about seven countries are doing this at the moment where they are introducing Um, vaccination for young girls and boys but especially girls to aim in such a way that about 30 million girls can be vaccinated in a few years coming so that we can prevent such cancers easily you know so parents if you're listening to this siblings if you're listening to this please try and understand where people are coming from or health medics are coming from in regards to this aspect. This is why I took a bit of time explaining this. The last STI I want to talk about is HIV. Mm -hmm. The immune system. I feel like we're quite familiar with this or at least you've heard of this. There are quite a number of people in the world who are living with HIV. Um feel like people forget sometimes that they can actually get it now because it's been something which has been talked about for so long that they actually forget that when they are having unprotected sex HIV can be an option there There there's so many strains of it Um, but the whole thing about HIV is it has its early symptoms and its late symptoms so like the early and the acute or stages basically you just have some flu like symptoms like a few runny nose a bit of a cough nothing big um, other things could actually be fevers you can have chills a bit of a sore throat headache nausea so these symptoms are not very specific so you're just like eh. okay it will blow over and that could actually just be the introduction of your hiv infection now these symptoms typically would clear within a month or so it doesn't take too long and then you go about your life moving like oh yeah i had a cold earlier and it's now over i'm good the thing is the symptoms can now present like the hiv symptoms can present many years after this initial infection and that is what's usually very scary about hiv now after some time someone may be having recurrent fatigues fever weight loss stomach issues the whole works and they're wondering what exactly is going on or they may have other conditions altogether like tuberculosis and they wonder how did i get this so because hiv the whole aspect of it is it reduces your immunity um you just tend to have a bit of more infections or common infections quite frequently than you an, an average um, immune system can handle. So it's just to remind us that, please, as much as you're having unprotected sex, which is not the best of ideas, um, you can be prone to such STDs. Before I round up, I actually forgot there's another one, which we need to talk about hepatitis B. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have heard of hepatitis before, you know, the virus, which affects the liver. There's so many types as A, B, C, D, uh, and even E, but you have to understand when we are talking about STIs or STDs, hepatitis B is the only type of hepatitis infection which can be sexually transmitted and that's via semen vaginal fluids or even saliva yeah and that's apart from like the rest of the other forms of transmission such as blood or sharing needles you know like drug users and all that the symptoms which um come about is usually fatigue loss of appetite lot of stomach discomfort because it's affecting your liver and if it once it gets severe you'll start having yellowish tint of your skin so yellowish um yeah so most people usually recover from this it's all good but when you're in your infectious stage then you become a carrier so you're able to pass this hepatitis B to a bunch of other people however if it's been treated like you go to the hospital because The one thing which really scares people is the yellowish tint of the skin that is. So when they find and test you and treat you and realize that you are not in the infectious stage anymore, that is when, my friend, you are able to have your sex. If you are too horny and you still want to have your sex while you are a carrier, which I feel like is a bit irresponsible, then your partner and you have to agree upon it that you're still going to sleep together, Please have that conversation, have a consent, then obviously have protected sex and we'll talk about the forms of manners of protected sex soon. And then finally, encourage your partner to also have a hepatitis um, vaccine. There's a hepatitis vaccine, a lot of medical professionals or people who are at risk such as um, drug users and all are advised to have this vaccine given okay i hope you're flowing with me right now as we talk about all these issues and i'm now going to just dive into the frequently asked questions or things that i may have missed in that aspect um earlier okay let's do the quick fire round let's do it ladies and gentlemen Question 1. Condoms are the best protection for STDs and STIs, true or false? Eh, this is false, people. No contraception is 100% effective, but the most effective way, guess it, abstinence. It is encouraged for you to have protection when you are having your sex, and the best way so far is usually a condom. All right whether female or male but for you to have hundred percentage protection it has to be abstinence people question two early stage STDs without symptoms are not contagious true or false people if you were listening earlier I had mentioned that's actually the most infectious stage so the answer is false <laughs> question three pubic lice aka crabs is an STD hmm well this is more of an infestation so we can call it like an STI instead an infection and basically if you don't know what crabs are it's pubic lice which are really tiny insects have a residency in your pubic hair yes and then the lice feed off your blood it's a bit weird but hey so This pubic lice, that is, can be obtained through genital interaction, skin to skin. So, that is why it can be considered as an STI. The common symptoms are itching around the genitals or the anus, and a small pink or red bumps, because they've been biting to, obviously, suck some blood. Low-grade fever sometimes is also there. Lack of energy, (laughs) obviously, people are very irritable because you're just not comfortable now sometimes people can see the white eggs that they lay at the roots of the pubic hair so it's it's a bit it's not the best thing to have the good news is it's easily treated and that is by shaving around there first of all and mind you shaving alone will not help you shave so that majority of them can go and then you get an over-the-counter um topical Uh, treatments from your pharmacy your chemist so that you let them know I feel like I have this so they'll be able to prescribe to you what exactly to use to kill those eggs and if you're feeling adventurous also have tweezers around men and women so that you can be able to pluck those remaining hair follicles and the remaining eggs that are still visible to the naked eye or under a magnifying glass question four gonorrhea is contracted sexually and from public or shared toilets true or false Eh, this one is false people the virus sorry the bacteria for gonorrhea actually cannot survive longer than a few minutes outside outside the body so no you don't actually get it from public toilets although you should still use clean toilets i mean that's one of the basis of just having better hygiene because you're still prone to other things, you know? Question five. Kissing is the safest sexual activity. True or false? Oh boy, this is also false. Unfortunately, kissing also can transmit some sort of infection. If it's a cold sore, syphilis or HPV, depending on the sexual preference that someone does. Question six. Can you catch an STD from fingering? Oof. Okay. This is um, a tricky bit because there isn't a lot of studies which have been shown or which have been actually done to know whether fingering can be a sort of transmission for STDs or not. However, it has been noted that in studies that People who have HPV warts, especially around their genitalia, whether penis or vagina, also have presented with warts under their fingernails. So technically there's a possibility that it could spread an STD via fingering. If you don't know what fingering is, if you don't know what fingering is, I'd like you to Google it. I'm not sure how to explain this here. Question seven. STDs increase the likelihood of having other STDs such as HIV. True or false? Ah, this one is true. Okay. The whole aspect of having an STD is there is usually a break in the skin. So these lesions in the skin will basically allow someone to have better access of the virus, HIV virus that is to get into the body. Um, syphilis for example has painless sores so that's also another wound um herpes again the blisters when they burst so the whole point is there's now a wound so there's a break in the skin better access of hiv to enter and lastly question eight having sex with a virgin will not get me an std ha 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 oh boy this is false. I'm sorry. Okay. We need to understand virginity is a cultural definition, not a medical definition. So someone may have their definition of being a virgin in terms of they have not had penetrative sex that is penal to vaginal or penal to anal. However, they may be having oral sex. So it's a great area here when you say virginity, because. Everyone's definition of it is actually kind of different. Yours and mine were definitions that is maybe very, very different from someone else next, your partner and such, right? So yeah, it doesn't, just because someone states that they are virgin does not mean that you cannot get an STD. I feel like the best thing to do is have a conversation with your partner to understand what is thinking and rationale behind the term of virgin. All right. Okay. And I think that's it. I have finally done my rapid fire round with all the other questions which usually come about in regards to STDs. Woohoo. All right then. That was fun. Anyway, so if you think you have an STD on STI, what do you do about it? One. Please don't panic. This is normal, it's common, it happens to people. So first thing is not to panic. Second thing is go to your local hospital or nearest hospital, or if you're doing phone consults and such, you can also do so because we're in um Corona times and we're trying to limit ourselves from going so many places. But it's advisable for you to go to a local hospital Where they can do a test to confirm truly if you do have an STI. Because there could be something else altogether happening with those similar symptoms occurring, you know. Like we always taught in medical school, diseases do not read books. So I may have told you everything here and then... STD may not even be the case altogether some of the tests that they could do is taking a blood sample a urine sample Swab of your mouth if you have like sores there a swab of your genitalia like the penis or The vagina in case you have a sore there or swab of a discharge that they may be having all right and um, The last bit which I feel like is actually the most important thing is for you to contact your partner you sit down and you discuss the situation that okay this is probably what i have especially when you have results with you i think it's a bit better this is the test that i got and i have an sti or an std now okay i would like you to also get tested and you can do contact tracing contact tracing is basically just tracing back to see um the other people who you've slept with and most likely have it it's a very uncomfortable conversation in my opinion but i mean we're all human this is humanity you need to help someone else they shouldn't be walking around with an infection and infecting others you know so as uncomfortable as that could be please don't forget to just tell the others that you've probably slept with like okay um maybe you should get tested I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, the last bit I want to mention is for healthy practices. If you are someone who does not want to be um practicing protected sex and you want to have unprotected sex, then I would encourage you and your partner to at least agree on a schedule that okay, maybe every three monthly we need to go get tested. It seems like a no brainer but people actually don't do it so Maybe every three months, let's go get tested for STDs, STIs, the whole works or every monthly even depending on your schedule and how you and your partner have arranged it or if you're having a new partner, if you're having a new partner, then you can also discuss with them before now proceeding to the next level. As it said, if you happen to have had a one night stand, which also happens in our generation then maybe you should just get going just go get tested for an sti it really wouldn't hurt honestly it really would not hurt for you just to be in the know about things (sighs) ah goodness me this has been a rather long episode but i'm still glad you were able to stick with me and listen through through it all sorry I just feel like it's something we need to talk about a bit more even and be more comfortable about discussing it in public. Share this episode with someone who needs to hear this information. Or if you have learned something, please don't forget to give me feedback. If you have more questions, I am always open. Just share with me at all my social media platforms. Or you can email me at medicdiaries3 at gmail or instagram at the underscore medic underscore diaries or facebook at just yvonne Maldor like it's all good i just want to hear from you guys and all so now that all have been said let's dive right into the fun fact for the day okay did you know after eating way too much your hearing is less sharp Mm -hmm. if you're heading to a concert or musical after a huge meal you may be doing yourself a disservice actually try eating smaller meals if you need to keep your hearing pitch perfect so (laughs) if you really want to go jam and all Even if it's just in your house, that huge meal is actually hindering you from enjoying that experience, just so you know. Anyway, I'm so glad you're able to join me for this episode. I adore you all for listening to me and growing with me. I am just so glad and I'm very appreciative of all the feedback I've been getting. Ah, you guys, you have no idea. Thank you so much for being with me. I will talk to you soon. Have a lovely day. Bye.